Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Crazy, what does DE&I mean to you? When I think about DE&I, it's really being focused on providing environments for people to truly meet their ultimate potential based upon their skills. I add that last point based upon their skills because DE&I, sometimes people assume or try to equate to quotas to helping people who are not capable or who have not had the appropriate you know, trainings for specific roles. And that's just fundamentally false. D&I should be focused on driving people towards their passions, towards their purpose, according to the skills that they have and can express on a daily basis. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are three words that many brands and companies have been talking about a lot since the events of 2020. But DEI has been around for more than just a year. In this mini series, I will be talking to marketers and executives about the ways they are promoting DEI in their organization. My guest today is Quasi Mitchell, the Chief Purpose Officer for Deloitte. Quasi is responsible for making sure that Deloitte is making progress with its commitment to DEI. He is also accountable for Deloitte's goals in sustainability and climate change. In this conversation, Quasi and I talk about how he is engaging his team and how he and his team advise companies to use their corporate purpose to inform their DEI initiatives and decisions. Quasi also talks about leadership challenges today and, on the optimistic side, how companies can create solutions to address systemic issues in business and society. This is my conversation with Quasi Mitchell. Quasi, welcome to the CMO Podcast. This is a first on a few levels. You are the first chief purpose officer we've ever had on the podcast. We're here to talk about purpose <laughs> and DE&I. And I want to start this conversation with your job scope, which mm-hmm. is just amazing. You look over Deloitte's strategy in diversity, equality, and inclusion, sustainability, and climate change, and education and work, workforce development. I mean, wow. And Deloitte's a big organization, one of exactly. the biggest in the world. So the first question is, what drew you to this career path? I suspect you're the first chief purpose officer Correct. at Deloitte. So, so tell us a little bit about your path to this most amazing job scope and, and responsibility in a very important organization. Yeah, it's and Jim, it's it's really fascinating because there's there's no one size fits all with respect to chief purpose officer. And and as you mentioned, you know, it's a unique title, right? It's relatively new, it's evolving in numerous areas. And you see people who have my title or effectively have equivalent roles of a variety of different backgrounds. 
For me, what was interesting is that since making principal within our firm, I've had a series of roles that directly engage with our people. Um, and at one point in time, I led diversity, equity, inclusion for our consulting practice, which is well over 50,000 people within the U.S. In addition to that, you know, I had been our champion at the firm-wide level for education and workforce development. And that's something that's been near and dear to my heart just because of the work that we do there. I mean, I was raised by my mother and my grandparents, you know, I'm one of nine. And when I think about the work that we do from an education and workforce development standpoint, there are interventions that I had when I was in my youth that led me to being here today. And so when I've been asked by people, like, how do we create more Quasi Mitchells, which I say, that's a terrible idea. My wife would not want more Quasi Mitchells running around the planet. But, but if we think about providing opportunity to youth who do not have the same level of access as others, education and workforce development for me has been where it's at, which is why I've dedicated so much time and energy for it throughout the course of my career. And then lastly, when we thought about sustainability, who better to think through different aspects of our leadership in these areas than someone who had previously worked in the energy industry, which is what I did prior to joining the firm. So when we thought about that in totality of leaders within the firm who had had exposure to a variety of different things, I believe that that was the reason that my resume ended up moving to the top of the pile. And also knowing that my, in my prior diversity, equity, and inclusion role, I led that work um, during after the murder of George Floyd, and then the social awakening that then um, came shortly thereafter. So in many respects, Jim, I think the thinking was, if he can stand under that spotlight and run that gauntlet and lead us to a vision for what we should be doing as a practice, that purpose um, makes natural sense as well. You're already going here, but I'd like you to click down on that a little bit, Kwesi. Could Could you speak a bit more about why DE&I is so very personal to you and why it's important to you. Outside of being a black man in and of itself, Jim, what was really fascinating is when I made principal within the firm, I had a, a partner um, who, different part of our business, um, probably a year or two out from retirement, whom I'd been interacting with for probably five to six years, come up to me and say, you making principal within this firm truly matters because it means that the things that we have been doing, that we're getting some of them right. And, and he said, I fundamentally don't believe that we're ready to embrace the challenges of the future of this profession, unless we can make more people who look different than me, and he was Caucasian, right? Um, and, and, and you are helping me to, to get a lot of confidence and faith that we're on the right path. And, and I think in many respects for me, diversity and equity and inclusion is important because of just what we know diverse bring, diverse teams bring to innovation, to growth, to really being the fuel for the future, um, particularly when we're recruiting talent so that they understand that we are not a one, we don't have a cookie cutter structure to our partnership or conversely to the way that we think about aspects of professional services in and of themselves. Now there's that, the other key piece is just equity. Right. Um, as you know, given the numerous areas that you've lived around the world, the the access that different people have to family sustaining careers where they find meaning in their work every day, where they can come home and be proud when they're sitting across their 
partners and their children. Like there's just not enough of that. And to me, diversity, equity, and inclusion is key for leveling that playing field and bringing more people into being able to embrace the prosperity that capitalism affords on a daily basis when we're thoughtful about being inclusive. Your job scope, which we went through a moment ago, is just so broad and it's so every one of those areas is important for the world and for your firm and for your clients. Lots of CMOs have a big job scope. Yours is bigger than most. Where do you focus? I mean, how do you decide which of those areas you're spending your personal precious time and your team's personal precious time? It's, it's a, it changes on a daily basis of what I spend time on. But what I've found to be like my guiding principle overall, Jim, is that I have great leaders in charge of each one of those pillars that you laid out, like phenomenal leaders within the firm. And so what I've focused on is what are the intersections that we can make um, substantial impact that's beyond just one core area? For example, what's that intersection between diversity, equity, inclusion, training the next workforce of, let's say, accounting professionals, or conversely, diversity, equity, inclusion, using um, workforce development to change the next generation of future environmental engineers, right? And so that's the core notion of where I spend my time. The other thing that I spend a lot, the core aspects of my time on is really thinking through what are the pivots that we need to make as a firm to truly be a purpose-driven and responsible enterprise. And, and so it can take a number of distinct, I would say, activities on a daily basis. But one of the areas that I've really focused my last three or so months on is how do we use our voice and our resources more broadly to have a broader impact on society, especially given the polarized political environment that we're in on a daily basis. So when does Deloitte and our voice or our resources bring a unique perspective that isn't already out there? And what do we say yes and no to when it's time for us to make some key decisions there? You're bringing up, a, I would say, one of the most frequently asked questions I've gotten over the last mm -hmm. year from senior leaders and CMOs is what, when, and how do I find my voice for my company and my brand? You're in the middle of that. Your point of view is as strong as anyone's, I'm sure. What, what's your counsel to your peers within Deloitte and your clients on mm -hmm. when and how to take a point of view on the so many issues right. Right, that are challenging us? I mean, there's no shortage of, of good and substantial issues to try to make an impact on as a business. How do you counsel them? Yeah. And it's interesting because I love your point. There are so many issues out there that are meaningful, that impact individual people on a daily basis. So the key is not saying this issue is more important than another because that, that's not my decision to make, I feel, in my particular role. The, the real considerations that go into how we use our voice, which I feel is our most precious thing behind our people, right? You know, and, and your voice is inherently tied to your brand, right? And so when you're thinking through that, first and foremost is, is it aligned to our core values as an organization, right? It, if it's not, steer clear of it, right? The other key consideration that we have is, do our internal and external stakeholders really meaningfully care about this issue 
right? And what's challenging with so many professionals professionals in roles such as mine is that you may hear two or you may receive two or three email or two or three calls on a specific issue. How do you know when there's a tipping point such that like you're not only hearing from a vocal minority, but it's something that really um, energizes and it's key to a critical mass of your talent overall and, and ultimately the people that you work with on a daily basis. And one other key consideration for us, and this is the one that I think so many people struggle with, because as you said, we're the largest professional services firm in the world, but can we meaningfully influence an issue, right? And, and it's hard to separate, hey, if we set our mind to it, could we do some good things? That's entirely different than can we meaningfully move the ball forward in a way that's unique um, to us as an organization from any others. So those are three of the considerations that you know we generally put out there in addition to some other nuances depending upon the situation. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. You've been at Deloitte about 15 years, and I'd like you to reflect a bit on how purpose within Deloitte has evolved since you joined the firm. And then the second part of this question, how have you seen purpose evolve with the many clients you serve? Mm -hmm. It's fascinating because within Deloitte, we're now 176 years old, right? And, and founded, right, with the purpose of providing faith in financial markets. And we've never lost that with our auditing and accounting background, there's that we've known that to be true. And I would say as we've grown as an organization and we thought about the additional services that we provide in our other businesses, heavily reliant on that very, very proud history. I would say what has shifted is historically the thinking has been, particularly when you are thinking about impact more broadly and social and potentially political issues, using and having a perspective because historically it was we provide services to the market right as accountants and auditors we have a fundamental fiduciary responsibility to the capital markets and that is that is our legacy and that is our strength now knowing that being silent on issues being thoughtful about what a clients um, we work with in specific ways and making sure that we live that on a daily basis has changed dramatically over the last several years. Now, when you think about what's taking place more broadly, um, particularly with some of our clients and collaborators and how they're viewing the change with respect to purpose, I believe there's some outstanding brands that have been rooted in purpose since day one. So there's, there's no way to dispute it. There's other great organizations that have established brands um, that are focused around different aspects of purpose. But what I have seen um, that's shifted recently is all organizations, particularly CMOs, starting to think more and more 
about purpose, how that aligns their branding, their messaging, and now starting to draw that connection between how does that tie to other things that we're doing within the organization? So what we project externally through our roles, that there's not a huge mismatch between what we're doing internally. And in my mind, Jim, as CMOs are working more broadly within their organizations in the future, I anticipate more and more of them to be at the table with their DE&I leaders, to be at the table with different parts of the broader business, to make sure that there is no mismatch at all, and they are a well-functioning machine internally and externally. What do you think is the, you know, the challenge so many people have in CMOs is, you know, they, they find their purpose or they refine their purpose or rediscover it. Uh, they struggle with bringing it to life across the enterprise. Mm-hmm. And, and then they struggle with measuring it, right? So mm-hmm. we still have lots of challenges, I think, in this purpose journey. What, what have you learned within Deloitte on activating your purpose across your extremely diverse business <laughs> and your global business? I mean, you, your challenge is probably as high as anyone's, right? You're, as you right. said, you're the largest services organization in the world and uh and you're in it every uh, how many countries are you in i don't know 160 <laughs> or something it's probably changed since we started talking yeah, right, right? Right. so so how do you how do you bring it to life how do you activate it how do you ensure everyone is sort of in the going in the, so powerful when everyone's sort of going in the same direction and they believe in it mm-hmm. so what have you learned about that the first thing i learned is that there is broad-based support for talking about your purpose and us living it daily. And that's really been interesting for me, Jim, is that there's this notion that purpose is something that's driven by millennials, right? And that our professionals who are closer to retirement, that they have no interest in it, don't care about it, and it's not top of mind for them. And I found quite the opposite to be true, right? The most vocal advocates I've had are people who are five years from retirement, and have been with our organization for five years and or five years or less and frequently what they're asking for is pretty similar right they they want to leave a legacy and put their talents and skills to use in a way that is purpose-driven and meaningful so that's one thing was just learning that and beginning to galvanize that on a daily basis so that i am not the sole arbiter of purpose within the organization but that we have a collection of leaders, a collection of our talent who are reminding so many people that this is something that's critical for them and that really should shape all aspects of our business. To me, I've, I've really, really focused on how we drive and embed purpose into different aspects of business on a daily basis. So have been heavily focused on our, the life cycle of our talent, how from day one, Do you understand Deloitte's purpose such that year 10 into the organization, it's so integral to what you do on a daily basis, how you lead teams, how you talk about our work, right? That it is, that it is just natural and there, you don't miss a beat in any way, shape or form. And the example I'll give is just how we think through someone who leads, let's say a large technology engagement, right? That there's, when you ask them, hey, what do you do on a daily basis? And they're like, well, you know, I, you know, run a, the project management office for this technology engagement with this, you know, financial services client. I'm like, nope, that's not the right answer. Like you fundamentally are helping an organization serve their clients, right? In such a way 
that all key financial transactions that they make, how they feed their children, how they think and invest in their future, how they invest in educating themselves further. That's what you do, right? Like that is the purpose that you're driving. And so those are the types of things, like if we can get it right, like galvanize the, the interested parties, focus on those meaningful interactions on a daily basis so that it's embedded in all the things that we do that we're elevating and thinking through purpose is just fundamentally key. So many insights on how to build that into the discussions you have about your talent, who's performing well. I don't know what your system is for performance reviews, Mm -hmm. but do you have any insights for our listeners about how to build, you know, acting on the company purpose into performance and who gets ahead? Right, right. It's It's an ongoing and evolving challenge, right? I would say, without a doubt, several years ago, we embedded in our evaluation process um, for our partners and principals key items or behaviors that we expected for them to de- like demonstrate around diversity, equity, and inclusion as part of our um, annual evaluation process. And, and ultimately, we, we structured that around behaviors, not outcomes mm-hmm. right and i think that that's the key right because people will will do if you if you tell people hey over the course of this next year i want you to mentor two women and two people of color on and make sure that they're promoted they would say okay got my marching orders i did that i checked the box i'm good but instead you know structuring around here's the behaviors you want to be demonstrated such that it becomes natural. And before our leaders know it, they're mentoring 15 to 20 different people in a very, very thoughtful fashion and really assessing that and highlighting them as an example and making sure that they are rewarded for it appropriately for being the leaders that we would like for them to be. And so those are some of the things that we've started to incorporate. We're starting to think about that more and more on purpose more broadly. What outcomes do we want to drive from a sustainability um, perspective. How do we embed that into our evaluation process, right? Like what outcomes do we want to drive for educating the, the workforce of the future and, and really driving thoughtful considerations around that um, will be key for going forward. But I like the path that we're on. And I would say in many respects, our people and our leaders are looking for it because they want that level of transparency and they want to know, you know, what outcomes are we driving, what behaviors are acceptable, rather than like, what's the output, you know, and give me that very prescriptive answer. You mentioned a few moments ago about the connection between purpose and DE&I. Mm-hmm. You, you have both of those in your scope. I, I don't hear, frankly, enough of our senior marketers and our CMOs talking about that explicit connection between purpose brand or company purpose and DE&I. Could you reflect about, about that on that a bit, Quasi, and talk about how you see that connection and how you talk about it within Deloitte and with your clients about the connection with purpose and progress on DE&I? Absolutely. And in my mind, purpose is the broader umbrella, right, that we have, that we move forward with. And when people are talking about their purpose, they need to define what are the core values or commitments that they've determined are fundamental to who they, whom they are as an organization? And that's where DEI plays in. And, and for me, I think when you when you evaluate 
you know, two key trends that are going to fundamentally shift the way that we do business for the next 10 to 15 to 20 years and the monumental pivots that we need to make as large organizations to live it daily. It is, in fact, diversity, equity, inclusion and sustainability. They will permeate all aspects of our business, all aspects of the way that we work in the future. And I don't know if enough people are picking up on that today, right? Which is why we've named those two of our core commitments. I then would say progress on DE&I, which fundamentally is, and, and Jim, if we knew how to solve it, if it was an easy problem, we would have solved it years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so for me, progress really is less about um, or not singularly focused to are you advancing more people of color and more women and things of that nature? Because you will have years that you do phenomenally well and years that you end up being hit with a pandemic, you know, um, a once in a century event that turns around and removes a fair number of our caregivers from the workforce. So you don't see the progress with respect to promotion or elevation, for example, of women who, as we all know, prepare more often than not the preponderance of the caregiving activities for families. So I think that the key item more so than anything else is not so much that we think that it's going to be solved shortly because it's a multi-year journey that we're on, but that we've clearly established it as one of our core values that needs to be embedded in all aspects of what we do so that you can see on a year and year in and year out basis that progress is being made in some way, shape or form. And one example that I'll give you is that last year we released our first of its kind um, DE&I transparency report. And the report not only laid out our demographics within the organization and what we aspire to in the future, it laid out our goals, places that we are not, that we need to focus more heavily on to really drive the impact that we would like to have and provide that vision for the future. So in many respects, I think if you have that level of transparency where people understand where they need to lean in, how to embed it into our core process on a daily basis, that to me is winning from the standpoint of DE&I and how it fundamentally needs to be tied to purpose and activation on a daily basis. Crazy, where do you look for inspiration in, in these two areas, sustainability and DE&I? And I agree with you, organizations that that embrace that authentically and do their damn best to make progress are going to be the ones that people want to join and that are thriving 20 years from now. Where do you look for inspiration? Two areas that are important to me. Um, our, our board chair and our CEO are phenomenal people. They were thinking about these things years ago, even before they, they were in their current roles. So I definitely look to those two from an inspiration standpoint as to here's how we're going to move forward and you're going to have the resources in our backing to lean in. And in, and in fact, I, I think I, I love making progress and love making them proud because if we can live up to their expectations, which is what you would want in any organization is that your board and CEO are leading from the front and driving this charge, we would be in a great, great position. The other thing that's really fascinating is I, so Jim, I probably, if I think on a daily basis, I probably look at uh, five to seven different news outlets. And I just think the continuing injustice or lack of equity in the world really drives me. And going back to the point that I made earlier with respect to my upbringing, each and every day, you know, I get up and think about like, 
is this an activity that would provide an opportunity for people of my background or substantially worse such that they could become you know future chief purpose officers in some way shape or form that that to me is enough of an inspiration and and I would be lying if I if I didn't mention my wife. I know I said two, but it's really three. I would be lying if I didn't say that my my wife thinks that this is the job that I was made for. That makes her incredibly proud. And every day I get as many articles from her as to like, hey, here's an interesting thing that you should think about. So um, those are the three areas that drive my inspiration and get me moving on a daily basis. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Could you speak a little bit about you know, you were one of nine raised by your mother and grand. You said you had a few interventions that were significant to help you be the person you are today and in the kind of position you're in today. Could you speak a bit about those interventions? Yeah, one is one is interesting, right? Um, I so I I am I am an introvert by nature, and so I distinctly remember when I was in fourth grade. Um, I was, I was, uh, selected for a mentorship tutoring course, right? It was mentorship. It was part mentorship. It was more tutoring. My teacher felt that I was falling behind in school. And so I was paired with a phenomenal mentor who was a chemist by training. So hence, you know, led to some career decisions that I made. But in the course of the year, I went from my teacher understanding that um, I was shy, right? And that's why I wasn't participating rather than lack of understanding through this mentorship program. And the following year, I was put in an ac- academically talented program. And so, but for, you know, a mentor giving me two to two and a half hours a week and one weekend every four to six weeks, just going to a park, watching a movie, just getting that type of attention, I would not be where I'm at today, right? And so when I think about our programming that we have in the organization, and when people talk about mentorship mattering, it truly does. And, and it truly does fundamentally shift the dynamics of that, you know, introverted child who just didn't have enough attention paid to them that once they got it, complete worldview changed, their perspectives and outlook changed, and therefore shaped the rest of their future. So that's one that's first and foremost. The other one that I give to you is really about sponsorship, you know, within an organization. So one of my near and dear um, mentors, friends, sponsors, lead, currently leads our consulting practice. I have never needed to make a decision on my career. Not once, right? And it's always been these series of thoughtful discussions that I've been able to have within this organization where it's like, well, you know, the next thing that we're thinking about for you, or I think the great opportunity for you to have would be X, Y, and Z. And and Jim, it's been phenomenal from the standpoint of knowing that there's that level of belief in my capabilities and future. CMOs have such potential voice. Mm-hmm. Right? The marketing channels, the media spending, yep. the partnerships, the ambassadors, 
Uh, in many companies, they are the public face of the company. They're, right. gui- they're guiding huge budgets. So what's your advice to these CMOs about their role and the potential to have a big influence within DEI, purpose, sustainability? When you sit down and have a coffee with one of these people, what sorts of things do you talk about with them? The understanding that CMOs have of customers, alliance partners, and broader trend, trends within their industry, right? Like that, that information is phenomenal from the standpoint of being able to guide. Do people understand your purpose? Do they recognize it? Is it something that differentiates you from other organizations, right? And, and I think, you know, we published, you know, a uh, what we call our global marketing trends report for 2021. And, and it's things that, you know, if you sit back and you recognize based upon our studies that, you know, not only do purpose-driven organizations drive, you know, grow three times faster than other organizations, but in addition to that, they are 40% more likely to retain talent. And knowing that the CMO right, has information that is able to differentiate that means that they need to have a place at the table with respect to purpose. So from a DNI standpoint, understanding the trends, because most, when you think generally, most diversity, equity, inclusion leaders are focused internally, and then they look at the noise that they hear externally and how that impacts their people. They don't have the perspective of their clients, right? And also their buyers such that they can be thoughtful in how you embed that into your overarching strategy. And I just think more so than anything else, the a mismatch between the experience that you provide to your people and the experience that you project externally is what will ultimately be the downfall of many initiatives of this nature, which is why we just fundamentally need to be more thoughtful. And the CMO needs to have a voice. Yeah, and the CEO, of course, this is a very hard question, I know, but if, if you were to grade the marketing mm-hmm. function today on their effectiveness in, in inculcating purpose into their actions and their organization's actions, into their agency's actions, into providing the North Star for sustainability, for diversity, equity, inclusion... What would that grade be? And what's the biggest one or two things we should be doing as a function? It's a great question. And the grade that I would give, it, it's an incomplete, right? Because some of these items we've never asked people to do before, right? And so it's hard to sit back and say how we're going to assess you in a specific way when, in fact, we've never really made that the expectation for so many leaders. Now, I think that it's out there. And, and the reason why I say it's incomplete is there are brands and organizations that are doing it incredibly well because they are purpose-driven through and through. Like that they are, they're focused on, you know, making the world a better place. They can embed that in all aspects of the things that they do from a climate and sustainability standpoint. And then there's other large organizations like such as ours, like such as the ones that you worked for previously that are just such a monumental, like um, series of distinct businesses that having the CMOs in those circumstances were never really expected or really, I would say, assessed against those qualities. So it's a work in progress and will be incomplete. The two things I do think really matter, um, and one of the things that I've really appreciated about our CMO within Deloitte is 
the willingness always to a raise our hand to contribute, make sure that we're aligned on strategy, right? And lastly, just keep us firmly entrenched on like, hey, here's the new campaign that we're launching. Here's how how it's doing. Here's what we're hearing back from people. We just launched this, you know, survey. Wouldn't you know that what we're hearing from our clients, from other leaders within organizations such as CMOs, CMOs, and so on and so forth, like all fundamentally think of purpose as a top five agenda item. That type of collaboration on a daily basis with your chief purpose officer, your chief sustainability officer, your DEI officer is just key. And the more that we do that, the better that we will be in the future. What do you think, if we look out five years from now, DEI will look like? And what will our challenges be then? Do you think they will be the same as today? Or do you think something will be different? They'll be different, right? I think what's, what's going to happen, um, which is phenomenal because it's already in flight now, are coalitions being formed um, that are trying to tackle different distinct aspects of DNI in and of themselves. So we are participating or we're one of the founding members of a coalition called 110, which is focused on providing 1 million Black professionals family-sustaining jobs within 10 years, right? It's a great list of organizations. I believe it's close to 50 different organizations now. And it has a specific focus on professionals who have less than a four-year college degree. So the people who truly could get left behind as we think about like the workforce of the future. And so I anticipate that we'll see more coalitions of that nature that are pulling together 40, 50 organizations such that they can tackle some of these systemic issues in and of themselves as a group rather than trying to do it individually, which led us to where we've always been and I don't think is going to yield different results. Now, the challenge in my mind that's going to evolve is that we're going to do a great job of identifying talent, bringing them into organizations, and we're going to look back three, four, five years from now, and the question is going to be how great were we at retaining that talent and how great were we at creating inclusive environments for our teams such that we have access to that innovation, to that growth potential that diversity brings us. And that's where things are going to get messy. Because, Jim, I think the thing that people forget is like, it's great to have a diverse team. It doesn't mean that you're going to be hitting the ground running on day one, right? In fact, you might go through a series of challenges because you do have so many differing opinions, perspectives, thoughts that like you really need to normalize that, create an inclusive environment so people can really contribute. And, and then you really reap the benefits of building those diverse teams. So that's what I feel like we're going to see three, four, five years from now. And, and ultimately, what I truly hope, there's frequently this notion that DEI is a zero-sum game, right? That if we focus on our Black professionals, that means that we're not focusing on our women or our Hispanic and Latino community. And, and that's just fundamentally not true, right? Like, if you think about the interventions that we provide and the things that we do as an organization, they not only benefit the subsections of the communities that you focus on, but it provides an opportunity for, for others. And one example is when I was probably five or six years ago, I was part of a leadership development program. Actually, it's probably, I'm, it's probably longer than that, Jim. I'm just getting old these days, right? But I was part of this leadership development program that at that particular point in time was focused on our Black professionals. We've since 
taken the, that particular program and expanded it across all of our professionals because we were so successful with our black professionals that we decided it fundamentally needed to be embedded in the way that we groom and grow all of our, of our le future leaders within the firm. And that being said, like, that's what plays out when you focus on DE&I rather than it benefiting one community and one community only. Absolutely. Crazy, thank you for this wonderful discussion. It was uh, good on so many levels. You've been very generous with your wisdom and your experiences and your passions. So thank you for just a terrific, terrific discussion. Thank you, Jim. It's been a true pleasure. That was my conversation with Crazy Mitchell, and this episode had loads of lessons on activating DEI in any business, large or small. Three takeaways for your business and life. First, DEI is not a generational thing. Most people, most workers of all ages, want diversity of all kinds where they work. It makes for a richer life and better business. Second takeaway here's a great idea on how to measure DEI progress. Put it in performance reviews and base it on trying new things, trying new initiatives, not just the results of the tests. Measure how many initiatives are put into the market. Third takeaway, how important a roadmap is for the C-suite. The roadmap has to include actions in the corporate culture, marketing efforts, and communication to the general public. To learn more about DEI, please visit the links in our show notes. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like the show, tell a friend, and remember to rate and review us wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast DEI miniseries is a Gallery Media Group original production in partnership with Deloitte Digital.